Cheers, my friend. Cheers. And to all of you listening, welcome to the special concert series of uh, Progressive Palaver. So Paul and I have just finished the first part of, a, of an epic journey that we are undertaking this weekend, where we will be seeing Yes featuring ARW three times in three nights. Um, tonight we saw them in Reading, Pennsylvania. Tomorrow is... Trenton, New Jersey. Trenton, New Jersey. And then the, uh, the, the third night will be in Philadelphia. Where are they playing in Philly? The Kimmel Center. I don't have no idea what that is. I've been it, gone too long. I've never been there. This okay. will be my first first time. It is a it is the arts performance hub in Philadelphia now, where all of the I'm glad that there's a hub. Yes, it's the it's sort of the you know uppity oh venue of Philadelphia. Sure. I see. Yeah. So we'll have to uh, keep our pinkies out. Yes. When when we go there. Yes. So you know and and you know to kind of pull the the curtain aside because you know the 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 full dozen listeners that the palaver has right <laughs> That's now right um they're very very dedicated spread across the entire globe um the only episodes that anyone to date has heard have involved Marillion. however we at the palaver have been working diligently preparing episodes um and the second band that we have started is yes so we've covered basically the first part of the catalog from, what, about 1971 to 1980? Yes, exactly. Um, Pretty much that the Yes like sh- album to drama. Yeah, yeah, the Yes album to drama. That seems like a short amount of time. It's like really only nine years. But we've got like nine episodes. At least. <laughs> at least. There's a lot of episodes coming for Yes. So, and a lot more and, beyond. And, and, right, and, and we're taking a, a break. But, but the point is, there, we, have been, we, we have been moving on to Yes, and the series of shows with, um, with the Yes version of, of Anderson, Rabin, and Wakeman came up, and it seemed like a perfect opportunity for, for us to get together and do some, some maybe slightly different podcasts where we talk specifically about um, the shows. And... While no one has heard our our episodes yet on these early Yes albums, um, I think you know I think we have plenty to talk about in terms of this show without stepping on the toes of the episodes. Yet uh, this to will be, be a good. This will be a good teaser, a little bit of a preview, absolutely of, of what's what's to come. So, I I, I want to start off on sort of a, a a tangential topic as it pertains to. You know this particular group in relation to the other group. You know now we have right. two two official yes groups running around. Um, since I guess the passing of Chris Squire, I guess everyone figured all bets are off and anyone can can be yes at this well, point. Well, yeah, I think so. We have yes, the official, which is the Steve Howe version of yes, That's and I think they had the true ownership of the name because they were the ones associated with, with, with Chris. Chris Squire. Right. Because last year, Anderson, Raven, and Wakeman were actually touring as ARW. That's correct. Um, but I think since their induction into the Hall of Fame, they they have now said, okay, well, we were inducted into the Hall of Fame as yes, so even though we don't necessarily own the rights, we should be able to call ourselves yes. And they it's something like Yes, featuring ARW. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think they they've kind of gotten around it that way, which is very different than like you know, Jeff Tate's Queensrÿche versus Queensrÿche. Right. So I guess it's very similar to it, actually. Well, yeah, and and like I said, I and I hadn't thought about the whole Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction thing. I just you know I I figured it had more to do with with Squire because traditionally throughout the convoluted history of personnel and yes. Wherever Chris Squire was, that was yes. Yes, is, is I think he owned the I think he owned the name. Right. Yeah. So you know, be that as it may, he was the one who he was the only one who wasn't lazy. Right. And and actually went through and trademarked the name or copyrighted it or whatever you have to do. Yeah. So um, so yeah, now we have now we have two different versions. So there's there's Steve Howe yes, and then there's there's yes featuring ARW. And which, how could that be a bad thing? Two versions of yes. So and and this is exactly where I wanted to go. Because, and I think I was talking to my brother about Kiss of all bands, 
And, you know, say what you want to about KISS, Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley are brilliant marketers. Absolutely brilliant. And, and I, I don't remember the whole conversation, but one of the things that he said, and I don't know if it was something that he heard that they wanted to do or, you know, was just suggesting it's something they could do, but he had made some comment about, you know, in the future, there being sort of KISS franchises. Hmm. Because, you know, Gene and Paul were smart enough to buy out the rights to the the Cat and the Rocket Man makeup that Peter, Chris, and Ace Freely right. used. And so now they can put anyone they want in that makeup. Right. And presumably, since they own the rights to the other, you know, all four makeups, they could literally create, you know, like a touring company, you know, a... a a KISS B-team. That's a revolutionary idea. Well, and, and if you think about it, one of the things that I've been entertained with as I've been looking at concerts and, and stuff, because I get these emails all the time, you know, from the various venues of all right. the concerts that are coming. Well, you know, now that a lot of the bands that were huge when we were growing up are no longer around, you know, for various reasons, they have these tribute bands. So, like, you know, before, if you wanted to hear a band play covers of Pink Floyd songs, you'd go to some dive bar somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Now you're paying, you know, 35 bucks to go to the Verizon Theater. Right. And see, you know, some... I mean, there are actually two Pink Floyd bands yeah. that went through this one place. Wow. And, you know, so you see more and more yep. of these. We have that going on here, too. So it makes perfect sense if you've got someone like Kiss, who, again, genius marketers, you know, to create, you know, like, they're, they're going to be the Cirque du Soleil of... Of, of rock music. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, what I think should happen here is I think that the, the two yes groups should formally recognize each other and say, you know, we're like two separate touring companies of the same band. Huh. And if they did that, they'd have the ability to sort of swap back and forth or show up at each other's gigs or whatever. I think it'd be fun. That would be fun. I feel like... Uh... They're probably not that far uh, from that, uh, aside from the fact that they don't really want to, you know, swap members and, and play play with one another. But yeah, um, that's a that's a fascinating concept. Well, I I haven't seen the, for lack of a better uh, expression, the Steve Howe version of Yes, um, Steve Howe, Jeff Downs, Alan White, I guess, is the, really the right the three. Um, and not to get too far off the tangents, sure. But one of one of the things that has always kind of you know struck me in the, over the last couple of years with these you know two segments of yes coming up is the line that Rick Wakeman stated in the in the interview of the uh, box set, and they they played it in a very prominent spot in the in the Hall of Fame induction, where he said it's. The members of Yes at that time, at any given time, right. that have the privilege of continuing the Yes music. And I thought that was really powerful. And if you look at their history and all of the the shenanigans, we're not shenanigans, but all of the, the revolving door of players. You can call it shenanigans. Everybody, <laughs> every, everybody it, it was true. Like whoever got to be in the band at that, whatever time they were in it, they were the ones in charge of putting the Yes music together and getting it out there and you're not we don't see that right now like you know Anderson, Rabin and Wakeman don't appear to have any gumption to create anything new and despite I, what we were told when they formed yeah you know two years ago or whatever yeah it was. exactly and the Steve Howe version of Yes um you know they have actually you know in the last several years recorded two you know, new albums, right? You've got um, Fly From Here. Fly From Here was 2010, I think. And, okay, well, the last seven years. Then. Yeah. But, I mean, that's, you know, that's, you know, more recent than, you know, and then there was another one after that that they did with John Davison. I can't think of it. Heaven them. and Earth. Yes, Heaven and Earth. So, you know, so they've done a couple, and I remember Steve Howe mentioning something in an interview where, you know, apparently it just it just takes a lot of effort and a lot of work to write these songs and get everybody together and record them and I, you know, and I guess that makes sense because that is not really a pursuit that actually earns anybody income, right? It's right. 
it and no one let's face it nobody's buying records these days anyway and and uh it's quite possible that a great many of the progressive palaver listeners the first time they ever listen to fly from here is is when they listen to us talk about it and wonder hmm, i wonder what that album sounds like um it's genius by the way so it would be nice to see some some new yes music and maybe it would help if some of the the future members of yes were actually younger than 35 years old or 40 years old or 45 or at this point you know they wouldn't qualify for social security but that would be a big help but uh that's just what made me think about it. but we should we should get to we should get we, to we should show. probably actually talk about the show that we yeah. just saw but and 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 before we do that <laughs> i had i had great <laughs> visions of recording some snippets actually before the show but as you traveled all the way from Dallas, Texas today, and you made a heroic, heroic entrance at the at literally as the show was beginning. <laughs> but I made it. That's it what's important. Pretty awesome. It was, uh, yeah. My my travel today was was not spectacular, and the take home message is: American Airlines, you can suck it. Wow. Wow. But we're not here to talk about American Airlines. No, we're not. We're, we're here to talk about Yes featuring ARW. So, when Paul, when we had originally hatched this idea, or not originally, at some point I'd come up with the idea of, you know, three different shows, three different nights, and three different, um, you know, featured members. So right, I, I, had, right. I had suggested... You know, maybe we we focus on one person per night just to give ourselves a little bit of something. And to... I, and I love that idea, but I wasn't paying attention to that tonight <laughs> because of the of the last minute entrance. Yeah. It, well, exactly that that's the problem. So you know, I I tried to a little bit, and um, but I think there's there's enough going on in this show tonight that we can you know, and we're we're savvy enough that we'll be able to get through this. So. You know, and and again, in the episodes that no one has as of yet heard, um, you know, there's been a lot of talk back and forth, and I I think it's almost inevitable when you talk about, yes, you know, Steve Howe or Trevor Rabin. Right. Which, which, I think, you know, while, while I have recently, through various other pursuits come to appreciate Jeff Downs. I think, you know, if you poll Yes fans across all of the years and everything else and say, who's the best keyboardist? I think Rick's probably going to come out on top. That's probably going to be pretty easy. Yeah, he's pretty much incredible. And, um, you know, he got us, you know, he, he just, you know, I, I, I said it on the, on the drive over there tonight with, with uh, Dave. I said, you know, John Anderson is the voice of yes. Like, there's just, you know, no offense to the other two guys who have, who have um, stepped into his shoes or Trevor Horn, but, but, you know, he is the voice of yes. And I think, like, when, if you peel away all of it, like, Rick Wakeman is the, is the keyboard of yes, if that even makes sense. No, I think that does. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah so, so there's, you're not going to get a whole lot of arguments right there. Um, and yeah, I think you're right. You know, while I was a big fan of Benoit David, I thought he was really, really spectacular. I thought, you know, talk about getting some younger blood into the group. Right. I thought, I thought Benoit was was really, really good. He was enough like John, but he was a little bit different. He was a little bit younger. Um, you know, seemed to have a certain energy to him. I think John Davidson is is also young, but he's I think so too. He's he's a he's an old soul though. Yeah, he he kind of is, um, but but yeah, I think John very much is is you know indisputable in terms of the voice, um, because John's been, you know, John's been there on every but what three albums. Yeah, yeah, and um, but but you can't you almost can't escape the the Steve Trevor thing. Agreed, and you know I am while I. You know, we've spent a lot of time talking about Steve Howe, obviously, and you know, I I have nothing but good things to say about Steve in terms of, you know, 
everything he brings to the table. And, and it's completely irrational, other than, again, the way I was introduced to Yes. I'm an unabashed, you know, Trevorite. Hmm. I, I love Trevor Raven. Yeah. And so getting to see this particular lineup, um, you know, and, and I think there's a certain, um, I don't know if simpatico with between Trevor and Rick Wakeman. They just seem to fit together so well in in a lot of different ways. And so, you know, I you know when this when this group came about a year or two years ago, you know, I was very excited to see this. Because the only time, you know, we had really seen Rick and and Trevor together was on the Union Tour. Right. And there was a lot of stuff going on at the Union Tour. Right. Um, what I do find interesting is I've gone back and watched that that DVD recently. Yeah. So if you think about the Union Tour, you had ABWH, the band, and then the the Yes Band at the time, which was um, Tony Kay and, and, yeah. and Trevor Rabin. When Rick Wakeman does his solo, Trevor Rabin's on the stage. Huh. Not Steve Howe. Right. Yeah. It's Trevor Rabin. And that, you know, so... Well, and I remember in that interview, one of them saying that they really enjoyed playing with the other and that they would love to do something. Yeah. And I do know not too long after that, Rick Wakeman did a solo album. It was like the... I think it was the journey to the center of the earth or the second journey. Second The one. return to the... Yeah. Whatever it was. And Trevor played on uh, one of the tracks on there. Yes. Um, he which, sang on it too, I think. I think he sang and played. And, you know, it may not be, uh, you know, as profound as we're making it out to be because I, I think maybe Ozzy sang on it too. Yeah, <laughs> there, but there are a bunch of people so, who sang on there. So. But, but the point was you hadn't really gotten to see them together. And, right. and I do, you know, they seem... So, let me back up. You and I saw this group together mm-hmm. um, last almost, November yeah, yeah almost a year ago um, you came t- to Texas we went to Austin yep. to see them Austin City Limits Live beautiful and it, yeah it was a it was a great venue it was a spectacular show and it was good to sort of see them together um, and I would say overall the sound was much better there than it was tonight what we what we saw I would agree we yeah. weren't we weren't in the kick drum sweet spot yeah <laughs> yeah but that being said, I think a lot of the rust has been knocked off. Oh, yeah, I agree. I, yeah. I think, you know, in terms of performance quality and, and everything else, um, this show was leaps and bounds above and beyond what we saw last year. And, and in, a subtle thing about this show... When we saw them last year in Austin, you and I have had conversations that the really the most remarkable thing about that show was was Lee Molina and Mike Portnoy, mm-hmm. the, the drummer and, and bass player. Yeah, they blew us out of the water. Yes, they were m- much more just non-featured players tonight hmm. than than maybe they had been that first time around. I mean, they got their moment in the sun. They each had, you know, their, their time to do their solos and stuff, and they were they were still spot-on spectacular. Yeah. But... Wow. They, mm. I, I wasn't... They weren't nearly as prominent. That's an interesting... Uh, that's an interesting comment. Uh, I feel like... I feel like, well, I don't know. I mean, the, the word prominent is an interesting choice of words because of, I'm, I'm thinking about it. Um, I, I, maybe, it's, maybe it's because I'm a little biased because I, I already saw them one time. I was paying a lot of attention to what they were doing. And they fucking rocked my ass tonight. And so I... Oh, and don't I, get me I, wrong. I, they're spectacular. That's yeah, what they, I'm saying. I mean, th- I thought they just killed it. And... Um, and the dude came out for his bass solo at the Heart of the Sunrise, and, and they did the stuff at the end. So, I, yeah, I mean, I felt like, it felt to me like it was similar.
and I and I think you know, goodness, um, Molina, Molina, Molino or Molina, Molino. His I think. he is just he is just a kick-ass drummer, man. Like he, the way he fits, like he is like. <laughs> this is so funny. Because we spent so much time talking about Bill Bruford and Alan White and the difference between them. Yep. And he just is like in the middle. Yeah. You know, he just gives you the blazing rock drums, but he can be as like a sensitive like jazz stylist as as any. And he's fabulous. And he makes it look so easy. Oh, I know. He's like smiling and laughing the whole time. I know, right? As opposed to Trevor Rabin, who has the worst white man's overbite of all time. And, and I think it's only become worse in his older age because he's probably got like some veneer action going on with his teeth or something like that. Or maybe his hair isn't there or whatever. But, but you know, it really looks like it's a painful experience for him to play some of the songs sometimes. Yeah, I think I think he just enjoys being a uh, super rock star. He's just got a, he's got a classic guitar face that he, you know he he's really kind does. of outgrowing. Yeah. So, yeah, and, and you know we've sort of jumped ahead to another thought that I had as I was watching this tonight, and, and it it really talks about the genius that is Rick Wakeman because Rick makes that look easy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he looks bored off his ass. He, and he's he's doing shit that no one else can do. But yeah, yeah he just, yeah. he does. He looks bored off his ass. And, you know, Trevor, I think Trevor is spectacular. But like you said, he's he, his face is all twisted up, yeah. you know. And he's, yeah. you know, it, it looks like he's at least working, whether he is or he isn't. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Rick is just like, yeah, okay, I can play faster than anyone else. I mean, he's not young. And and that bit at the end of Owner when he's playing that those flourishes backwards over the keyboard, <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> I mean, granted, it wasn't like he was he wasn't playing close to the edge backwards over the keyboard. But yeah, no it, one does that. It really, it, he is an amazing talent, and he looks like, you know, he, he seriously looks like he's checking his email while he's you know while he's playing. <laughs> And, um, and, and I mean, he's still just as, as, you know, proficient as he ever was, and it, I think. But it's so funny how, how he light, he lights up, like when he grabs that keytar for the, the bit at the end of Owner of a Lonely Heart and they're walking around, like he is so joyful and it looks like he's having so much fun. Yeah. But for the rest of the show, when he's behind his keyboards, he's very serious about what he, what he's doing and, you know, he's, um. He's certainly a master. It's 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 really amazing to be there. I saw a really really interesting interview with with Rick Wakeman on his his keyboard rig. And I mean, I don't know squat about keyboards, so he's talking about this. I mean, and you know, when you get into these these instrument specific interviews, you know, yeah, like yeah. I I was talking the other day about Steve Howe talking about all his guitars and yeah. oh this one was you know in nineteen fifty six this but I moved yeah. the switch up here and you're like <laughs> what the what the hell yeah so they were they were having this sort of conversation about about Rick's rig but the one thing that stuck out was and um, it's pretty obvious to see he's got two mini moves perched yeah, on yeah. top yeah well you can't go down. To, to the corner store and buy a mini move. Right, right. So apparently, um, he has eight of them, and he's got a guy who keeps them alive. Yeah, because yeah, as yeah. he said, the mini move was never designed to be to be a touring piece of equipment. Right, right. And so he's got eight of them, and you know, two are active at any one time, and the guy back in England, I guess, is working on the others. And I just, I thought that was fascinating. Uh, the gear stuff is is crazy. That, that reminds me of a story about they uh, did a uh, gear review of ACDC's last tour, and um, you know they use all Marshall, you know classic Marshall amps, and it's the same deal. They have they run them so hot that they they basically have the the four or five that they use for the show, and then they have another four or five that are backups because. They're basically blowing out tubes and destroying amps every every gig. Wow! And they've 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 got a guy whose basic his only job on yes. the tour is to keep the amps working. Yeah, that's that's awesome. That's amazing. 
the one of the the interesting things you know talking about the show that we saw in Austin last year, and I remember joking around about this last year because we were listening to an interview with with uh, Trevor Rabin, and he was talking about yeah you know we've taken some time to to retool some of these songs and like figure out different ways to present them and after you know we were really excited about what they could have been doing to some of these classic yes songs. And it turns out that all he really meant was he was just figuring out a way to perform them without having to play certain parts that Steve Howe did, like uh, the beginning of "And You and I," and then yeah. the parts of um, of um, like "Roundabout" and just things. How do I avoid all these tricky instruments? And uh, and you know, basically just use my guitar synth during these parts, you know, and and it's it's fine, and uh, it I think they pull it off very nicely. Um, but that left me with the impression that these guys just weren't that interested in shaping a, a interesting set and doing whatever, like that they were perfectly fine just showing up and playing the same set night right. after night. And the, the surprises in the set list tonight, um, of the different songs that they did and and what I would consider to be like you know at this point in time in their careers deep tracks from like Fragile and the Yes album, I I mean I, that was thrilling. That was so great that they and they did great jobs with them. It was they and they weren't too easy easy peasy songs to just pull out like you know Perpetual Change and and South Side of the Sky. I mean, it was terrific. I was really excited that they that they did that. Yeah, South Side was, you know, that was a a true stunner that and and I'll be waiting. Well, I that waiting. one. That was, yeah. was a huge stunner. Yeah. But uh, you know, it, it it was funny because I was also thinking about that because that was a big part like you said of the Austin show. I thought they did a better job of that this time around. I, e- even, I agree. Yeah. E- even the songs that they had played previously, um, you know, they, they did some subtle things. I mean, they didn't overhaul everything. Um, but, you know, certainly, you know, they they added sort of that heavy drummy part in Awaken that yeah. showed up a couple times. Yeah, that was really cool. Um, I thought, honestly, this version of Roundabout was spectacular. Yeah, it was. Um, and, you know, I made the comment to you in the very beginning, you know, there was that, you know, probably, what, 30-second thing where it's like, if Pink Floyd had written Roundabout. Right, yeah, exactly. Which yeah, was, yeah. you know, it was cool. Yeah. I, you yeah. know, I, 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 I dug it. It was I, very cool, yeah. I thought, uh, and that's why I said, you know, I think, I, I think them touring... For a year, because if you think about it, Trevor hadn't been even playing his guitar. Yeah, that's right. For what a decade? Yeah, you know he was just, you know, presumably doing all his scoring, you know, on his keyboard, I guess. I don't or, know or whatever. He had to play his guitar a little bit. Come on. Well, I mean, if you listen to the interviews before that tour started, yeah, you get he gives the impression that they he wasn't. Yeah, and you know I don't know what Rick had been doing, but I I, I don't think. You know they hadn't been they hadn't been touring for the last five years like yeah, the official yeah. guest yeah and true. I I think it it shows yeah the, the other interesting thing of, that goes along with that in terms of a performance difference from last show what the hell's up with Trevor's voice hmm I mean he sounded higher than usual I mean he sounded good yeah but I, but he was higher than usual you don't normally get higher as you get older well you know I feel like. I think it's the same thing. I think, you know, whether it's playing guitar or singing, like, you don't tour for five years, your chops are Mm -hmm. gone. And so I think a year of touring has restored some of the chops. And while we're talking about people singing, John Anderson just continues to just, you know, make my socks go up and down with his singing. It's un- Believable. The dude is seventy-two years old, and he is just killing it. He's sounding better than he has in in quite a while. And, and so between the two of them, you know, I was I I was wondering how do they do this? Like, you know, have they discovered some sort of secret regimen? You know, do they have some sort of you know coach that they're working with? Yeah. Because the the two of them, neither one of them getting any younger, 
you know. But yeah, I mean, John sounded spectacular. Yeah, he really, really did. He looks a little bit like a hobbit, but he does. <laughs> but you know what? Like, I am. I am. Sadly, well, you know, it's it's a shame. I was just going to say something that's not true. But I am like like a little shy of three decades away from where John Anderson is in Yage. Um, I still got about, you know, 20, 26 years to get there. 26, 36, 36 years to get there. Which is almost as long as, no, it's not almost as long as I've been alive. I've been alive way longer than that. Sorry. Anyway, I got a long way before I'm 72. Right. And... I already don't have any hair left. <laughs> so, like, you know what? If you're 72 and you got hair like that, you have permission to look like a hobbit, really. Okay. The boots that he wore tonight were pretty pretty outrageous. That, um, that whole outfit was something. <laughs> um, you know, it, 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 was better, it was better than that sort of white drapey thing he wore yeah, in yeah. the late 70s. Yeah. Or the white sort of curvy thing that he wore in 90125 with the eye makeup and stuff. Yeah. yeah 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 so you know I, I, I can get behind him he just the, with the beard it, yeah it just, he has this furry look about him yeah 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 but you know it's working for his voice it, it whatever it is absolutely I also really enjoy that he picks up the guitar and strums it <laughs> for a few songs oh. um, even though his his fretting hand has a has like a motorcycle glove on, and you know like I know that I know that John Anderson can play the guitar. Like, yeah, I know that he has the ability to play the you know chords. Right, I mean, he's an accomplished musician, but you know it looks like if you just didn't know that he was an accomplished musician and you just watched him tonight. You would you would think that he only knows two chords, and that one of them doesn't even really look like it's a chord. Like it looks like he's just kind of holding onto the guitar and strumming. So I'm not sure what's going on with with that. Well, and what was the one song where he was really high up on the neck, like his hand was just sitting, yeah. sitting on the and just the, strumming yeah. over and over again. <laughs> I I don't know. I don't I don't know. And like you know, and and like he kicked ass on Awaken with the harp. He I mean, did. That was sensational. So, like, you know, just give him a harp. and If he's got a hold of an instrument, give him a harp. Let him play that. I liked how the harp started out on the stand, and then yeah. he strapped it on, oh, and then he put great. it back on the stand. Did you watch him when he was putting it back on the stand? I didn't To make see sure that. it didn't fall over? Oh, I didn't see it that. Was, it, was a, it was a bit of a production, i got to say. Mm. So, let's, you know, we, we're now, what, 20 minutes into this? We haven't Whatever, even, whatever. I don't know. We haven't even really talked about, you know, what they did. So, I, let's, let's just run down the set list, because I think it... The set list is is very telling. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they opened up with perpetual change with with my big entrance. Which yes, and we did miss most of that. We must, but we you know they probably based on on the set list from from last year, um, they probably opened up with cinema that led into perpetual right, change. Right. So we yeah. probably missed that part of it. You know, and the thing that will strike me about perpetual change, other than the fact that like it just kind of knocked my socks off. At the get-go, because, like I said, I was anticipating to see just the same show that we saw last year. So, to hear them do another song, and then to hear them do a song like Perpetual Change... Well, they actually opened with Perpetual Change last year. Did they? Yep. They did. Mm, Okay. Alright, well, apparently I don't remember that too well. Wait, they opened with Cinema, and right into Perpetual Change? Yep. Okay, well... Yeah, so cinema. Well, was... everything that I was just about to say is <laughs> irrelevant. Then. So the the one thing that, and I don't, I have no recollection of this from last November. So maybe I was, um, maybe you're otherwise. Uh, maybe engaged. I was distracted with something. But the um, the end part where you know on the album there are two distinct parts happening, and they you know pan to other sides, and you know you've got one, the whole band playing the the regular verse, and then the other playing the instrumental break they did that and I don't recall that from last year yeah um, well I think that goes back to what we were talking about earlier they're you know they're I don't know 
what the word I'm looking for is, but but their presentation of these songs yeah. is is more sophisticated than it was a year ago. Brilliantly said. That's exact. That's exactly it. They they got it right, and it was just it was incredible. I thought the way they pulled that that section off was was incredible, and it really got me excited, thinking, you know, this could be amazing. Like we could potentially see like three shows yeah. with some variety in and, and I'm, I'm curious to see tomorrow night you know how different it is yeah. that's, this is why I keep these lists there so you go. We, we can compare and contrast yeah so next year you can remind me by the way <laughs> you did hear that song already so we're going to assume they did cinema but we'll have to check uh, setlist.fm they'll tell us um, into perpetual change then they did hold on mm. um, very very nice and yeah. then you know, floored us all with doing South Side of the Sky. Yeah. And it was, you know, it was one of those things where Molino just started hitting some sort of triggers with the, yeah, with the, with with th- the thunder sound. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, they're not. Yeah. Because who expects to see South Side of the Sky? Now, I have seen it because I saw Official Yes do the the Fragile album. Oh, right, okay. So I, I've, I've seen Steve Howe's group perform that. Yeah. But I... I never expected to hear it here. And then, sure enough, boom, right into the south side of the sky. Yeah, spectacular. Little bones. And, you know, that was the first part of the night where I thought, hmm, I can't hear Trevor's guitar as much as I would like to. Um, yeah. I, and, he, and it seemed like he was doing a lot of those, you know, cool licks, uh, you know, during during the verses and stuff. Yeah, like he really did seem to be, you know, and, and I think, generally speaking, um, I think, how do I say this without sounding like an ass? I think Trevor is doing a better job on Steve Howe songs than he has previously. I, I think that's exactly how you say it. I, <laughs> I, I totally agree. If he, if we could just get him to pull out an acoustic guitar for a couple songs, that'd be <laughs> perfect. Which is funny because he used to love the acoustic guitar. Yeah, Solly's beard was all acoustic guitar. Yeah. It would be, it would be just you know when he plays the beginning of "And You and I" with the, the just that you know dumb electric, yeah, you know, compressed, slightly distorted tone. It just doesn't work. Um, well, funny you should bring up "And You and I" because that was the next song they played. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so this is an this is a very very interesting section of the of the set. After "And You and I," they go into "Changes," "Rhythm of Love," mm. and then the big shocker, "I Am Waiting." Yeah, from "Talk." That was out of left field, completely. And you know, let's let's circle back to that in a second because I just want to go through the set okay. list and then we'll, then right. we'll go back because, it, and, and it's funny that there's so much to talk about with "I Am Waiting," but I think there is. Yeah. And after "I Am Waiting," you know, we got "Heart of the Sunrise," phenomenal. Awaken. Mm. Um, the "Make It Easy" slash "Owner of a Lonely Heart" right thing um, with with the big. Uh, with the big guitar walk around solo yeah. bit, which was very very fun, and they snuck "Sunshine of Your Love" in there. S- totally snuck it in. Yeah, where did that come from? That was so crazy. And then uh, that was the end of the set, and then the encore was "Roundabout," which we've yeah. already talked about a little bit. So, so I am waiting. Um, you know, we in in the episodes that we've already recorded, we haven't even gotten close to talk. Yeah. And um, it'll probably be a year before we get there. <laughs> and, and I think, you know, I, honestly, I am fascinated to talk about that album because I, I've always been fascinated with it. Yeah. Because it's, it's such a Trevor Rabin stroke fest. And, you know, it, it, it features the complete emasculation of Tony Kay. Because apparently Trevor was just, just sitting in a studio with his Korg recording an just album. Just that show, that's all. Just because he did the sequence part, that big long song. But, but the album, the entire album, Trevor is credited with, you know, guitars, 
keyboards and programming and maybe some vocals. And Tony K, Hammond organ. Hey, that's all how he much, ever... Remember, how, that's how this whole thing started. He didn't want to do anything but play the Hammond organ. Well, he played a lot more than the Hammond organ on 90125 and Big Generator. Maybe he didn't. We don't know. <laughs> so poor Tony K gets completely emasculated. Listen, I don't think Tony K is upset at all. I think he is very comfortable... These are things that we will have to ask him when we take him out to dinner. Well, I, I hope we get the opportunity. I would love to take Tony K out to dinner. But but there's a there's a lot about talk that I just find fascinating. And obviously Trevor did all of the sequencing and all the keyboard parts and, and on that tour he did a keyboard solo. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Much more than Tony K ever did. Yeah, yeah. And I've, you know, in my mind, uh, we haven't really talked about it, but I've always maintained that, you know, I I think Trevor wanted Rick Wakeman on talk. Hmm. I think, I think in a lot of ways, and, and I don't know either of them, I'm just making shit up. I think that... Rick Wakeman is the only keyboardist that Trevor would would sort of trust or relinquish control mm. to right. and feel that Rick could do what he wanted to be done. Mm. Because yeah, I mean, you, can't, you can't really deny that, you know, Trevor's a pretty kick-ass keyboardist. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and I, I think talk really, really um, illustrates that. And I think if Rick had been available... To be on there, I think Trevor wouldn't have had to sequence everything. But clearly, Tony K wasn't. I don't know if he wasn't capable of doing what Trevor wanted, but Trevor wanted something, and so Trevor had to do it himself. Yeah. So, so now you've got Rick and Trevor together, and you know that sort of opens up the possibility of maybe performing some songs from Talk. Huh. And. And they choose I Am Waiting. Yes. Which is an interesting choice because it's like the one song where Trevor doesn't do any significant sequencing or yeah. anything. Yeah. So I, 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 I didn't not like it. I thought it was very well done. I thought it was, yeah. you know, pretty in its way, but it was an interesting choice well you know it it really is by and large it's a beautiful song and it's um it's so well done and john anderson sounds wonderful on it and you know i've i i think i know i joked around saying like i don't even know if i was happy to hear that song when we saw them on the talk tour but but that's always been a uh you know keeper for sure um from that album Although I did forget about the violent guitar part in the middle, <laughs> um, so they did it, and, I, and it and it, and it struck me tonight like, boy, that really just doesn't fit, you know, in the song. But uh, it's, I I think it's even more jarring on the album. Yeah, and it's it's really it's it's really kind of just weird. But, but it gives Trevor a chance to sing. Yeah, it gives him a chance to play distorted and sing, and and uh, but. The uh, the the thing that's great about that um, in the recorded version of of that song, you you don't really get the 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 skillful guitar playing that yes. you get it in live. Like you don't get the sense of the the terrific bends in in the melodies and the way he plays it. So it it, it it's really just fun to listen to from a guitar perspective. Um, but you're right. It's to to pick a song off of that album, there's really not much going on there in the keyboard department. I um, mean, we, at we, all. we've already discussed, you've got, you know, the greatest keyboard, certainly in the history of Yes. Yeah. And a guy who, you know, can play through And You and I and Awaken and look bored to tears. And, hey, let's do I Am Waiting. Yeah. I, I'd, I'd be interested to be in the band meeting where that comes up and Rick says, oh yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah. But you know the the uh it's true and you know the the thing about that though is that talk was you know as much as it it is uh a Trevor album you know that was that was the album that really Trevor and John got together and wrote together. So 
So there's a there's a little bit of that. Okay, that's interesting. Because one of the things that we've talked about in our yes conversations is when yes is performing as, or composing as a group. Yeah. It's greater than the sum of its parts. Agreed. And when you got two of the members going off and operating sort of independently from the rest. Right. Not as great. Not as great. And, you know, maybe that's, maybe, maybe talk sort of supports that theory. I think, I think it is. Because I think in the. It's not bad, but it's not. Yeah. It's not 90125 either. Yeah. And I think in, as as crazy as this is going to sound, in the, in the, across the test of time for me, if I take big generator talk and compare that with Trevor Raven's solo album Can't Look Away Yep, I would say that Can't Look Away rises above the other two really and you know and I think that I, I would have I would have never said that until probably just the last couple of years and I go back and listen to those records and I've loved Big Generator my whole life but yeah, you know, can't look away is just Trevor Raven like, like uncontained and just you know doing everything, and I think you know you you put these like smaller collaborations like you said it just doesn't quite get there, you know nine zero two one five nine zero nine zero, did I say that right nine zero one two five yeah sorry, it's, um, it's late it's okay. somebody I just heard somebody talking about yes and it was like a musician person. And they referred to 90125 as 90210. <laughs> Always a danger. Nonetheless, um, you know, everybody everybody was working on that song. You know, it was Trevor, it was Chris, it was Alan, it was Trevor Horn. John Anderson got involved, you know. And, and, and you know, I think when we get to... Tony K. When we get to that podcast episode, I'm hoping... Well, we already know... You know, we've already sort of reviewed certain interviews, certainly with Trevor Horn, um, that indicate there was there was a lot of input sort of across the board yeah. going on there. Right. And, um, you know, so I, I think it's it, it, it was that perfect storm of, you know, Trevor came in with sort of the, the nucleus of a lot of these songs. Um, and he was working with, with Chris and, and Alan... And presumably, you know, they brought in Tony and then Trevor Horn's there. And John was sort of a late addition. But, yep. you know, even when you think about um, Yes Years, and I'm trying to think, is it is it Changes, maybe? It was one of the songs. Um, actually, there were a couple of different songs where the lyrics are totally different mm. in the versions without John right. than after John came. Yeah, which is funny given some of the things that we've talked about John's lyrics. Right. Um, so, so clearly, all all people, you know, were were contributing there, and you know, nine one two five is is off the charts. Yeah, yeah, and you know. Obviously, there was, yeah, and we've we've heard the stories about, you know, Big Generator wasn't as successful, right? And there was, you know, a certain amount of friction between Trevor Horn and maybe Trevor Rabin, and, you know, the the issue with Holy Lamb and John really wanting to do this and Trevor Rabin not giving a crap about it, but having to do it because of John and and right. and. You know, clearly there again, there, there's something about Big Generator, and and you're out, you're right. That was what got us into it, right? Yeah, and yeah. and we love that. I still love that album. Yeah, but it it clearly you can you can tell there are some some flaws in it that um, you know that nine zero one two five doesn't have. Yeah, the um, so like the thing about. Uh, um, I am waiting, right? That's the name of that song. Yes, right? I am waiting. I, am I looked waiting. it up just to make sure. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> the thing about that song is, is, you know, for guys like us who've seen Yes many, many times, um, it's such a treat to hear just a surprise like that. Right. Yeah. And and to hear them do it, and they, and, and you know, it shouldn't be lost on the fact that they did it 
beautifully well. That the, everything was fantastic in that song. It really was. And, you know, it's such a treat. And, like, the guy who was sitting in front of us that um, we were talking to before you arrived, you know, he had seen, you know, he said, I've seen, I, he's like, I don't even know how many times I've seen Yes. You know, he, he flew up from Miami or something like that. So, um, you know, you, you, you look around and you see the shirts that people are wearing. And you, and you know these people have seen Yes so many times before that, you know, it's a real treat to, to hear something like that. And, it, and, and for me, I don't miss the fact that they didn't do um, All Good People. Or, yeah. Right. yeah. I, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I don't need to hear that song ever again uh, live by them. I've, I've heard them do a great job many times. And, you know, you don't think about all the songs that they could have done instead of that, that tune. And... Um, you know, but then on the flip side, there's the guy that we bumped into at the bar afterwards who, you know, I think he would have rather heard All Good People as opposed to... Yeah, I think I think he would have, yeah. absolutely. But he's, he's, he's one of those people where you start talking, oh, you like Yes, oh, yeah, yeah great. Yeah. And, and, you know, within a minute and a half, you're like, oh, you're one of those. Yeah, he has <laughs> he has classic Yes, and that's about... That's yeah, about that's, that's about it. Yeah. But it's it's well, it's really it it was I thought it was a real treat and I'm I'm curious and and hopeful that we'll get a couple of other treats like that over the next couple nights. I, I you know I've never done this before where I see you know the same group perform multiple nights and I've always wondered about you know the whole setlist thing. Now obviously setlist FM I could go. Oh well, man, sorry about that. Party foul. Sorry about that, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> no telling. We can edit that out, right? Do we um, do we know if we have ladies listening yet, or is it, is it mostly I, just there's generally? there's no way to tell. <laughs> um, SoundCloud only gives us uh, locations, okay, um, not uh, not genders. But um, I don't even know where I was going with that. Sorry, that's okay. So I maybe maybe we want to compare the set list from last year. Oh, let's do that. Yeah, just so we can see what they didn't do. I don't even remember what what they did last year. Apparently, so so they opened with Cinema and Perpetual Change. They moved into Hold On exactly like they did tonight. But then they did All Good People. Hmm. Um, then Lift Me Up. Oh, right, right, right. Right, because remember we were talking, there's, there are five songs right. to open that set that Rick Wakeman never even played on. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Which was kind of funny. <laughs> you know, whatever. Uh, and then they did And You and I, Rhythm of Love, Heart of the Sunrise, and Changes. So they just switched those around a little bit. Um, then they did um, Long Distance Runaround oh wow we think it was The Meeting we're not sure we have to go back and right. check that yeah I'm pretty sure it was The Meeting then they did Awaken and then the Make It Easy owner thing with the guitar walk around yeah and then the encore was Roundabout so very, a very little bit similar. different very similar yeah um, you know not and again I will say this as, as surprising and as unlikely as it is to hear I am waiting. I did not miss not hearing, you know, all good people lift me up at all. Didn't miss them at all from the set. You know, I'll take South Side of the Sky and I am waiting without a problem. Absolutely. Um, I want to say, you know, Lift Me Up is one of those songs that it, it, it's beautiful and I love it. Mm. It doesn't translate live particularly well. Mm. So yeah, I don't. I'm not. Yeah, yeah it's all good. It's all good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I want to talk um, quickly, and I don't know how long we've been doing this. We can probably cut this off because we've got two more of these to record. Yeah, this might be the longest one because you know we're getting a lot off our chest. We it's been good. about fifty-three minutes now. Okay, so. yeah. So I think that's probably good to, to be starting off with. But I did. I did for an extra mini episode. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, remember when when I when I put out the original when the the original schedule? We were supposed to talk about four albums oh my per gosh. hour. Fifteen minutes on an album, and we can't even get one album done in an hour. The first episode of Yes, we didn't even talk about any albums. <laughs> But I do want to touch quickly on Awaken tonight. Ah. Because, you know, they... Obviously, they played it a year ago, but they've changed it up a little bit. Yeah. Because I, I don't recall, you know, that 
the the sort of darker bits that they sprinkled in and around. Yeah. Am I am I just not remembering? Do you? Yeah, uh, there was definitely a darker darker tone to it. I remember them starting off with that really ethereal thing and a little bit of the hint of the the harp in the middle of the of the piece, but but they they did not have the the big mallet banging on the drums yeah. kind of rhythmic thing happening and uh and particularly Rick Wakeman's, you know, solo in the middle uh did have sort of darker elements to it than than I remember ever hearing. Yeah. By the way, for everyone who's listening, the episode that will obviously or ultimately be released on Going for the One is the second take. <laughs> we had we had some technical difficulties with the audio on the first one, which is which is a shame because that I, I as I remember that first episode on Going for the One, yeah. it was spectacular. Yeah, it was good. It yeah. was it was really really good. But we waxed rhapsodic. About awaken, you and I yes. were just out of our minds yeah. over it, and you know it's it's obviously a very very beautiful song. And one of the things that we discussed in in that first take was, you know, we've seen awaken on and off. I've seen it certainly yeah. more, I think, because I've seen Steve Howes right. yeah, more, yeah. more recently since Union. Union Union was the tour where they they yeah. dusted that one off for us. Obviously they'd played it before but we hadn't seen it. And you know they I I've probably seen Awaken 5 6 times now. Yeah. Yeah. With this up until tonight, I want to say every time Yes performed Awaken, whether it was the Union, the Steve Howe version or even ARW last year, it was a straight interpretation. And this is the first time I can remember them really switching that up a little bit, and I didn't mind it. Yeah, you know, I, I, it was it was enough to be interesting, but it wasn't so much that I'm like, what did you do to the song? Yeah. Um. So I, I just I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think um, I'm just trying to think of the times that I've seen it, and. Uh, you know, the, the, during the Masterworks tour and during, um, actually, I don't think they did it in the Masterworks tour. Um, I can't remember, but they did it during the latter tour. Um, oh, I wish I'd seen the latter tour. And it's on, you know, the the uh, Yes of House of Blues or House of oh, Yes yeah. or whatever. It's on there. House of Yes. That's a great one. Yeah, and but Igor Koroshev was the uh, the keyboardist on that those tours, and. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I think this is the first time that they really took Awaken in some different places. And I agree with you. I felt like in some 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 points of time it was darker places, but it was very, very cool. And um you know, it's it is just such a it's such a magical piece and um I, they just nailed it again tonight. I, was, I, I like the harp because yeah. when yeah. um you know, when I've seen it previously without John Anderson, John Davison doesn't play the harp, yeah. as I recall, I don't think. So I think it's... Does he take a guitar out and just strum one chord the whole night? Or? Uh, for for that part, um, I want to say they use like a keyboard sample for yeah, the, for the harp sense. sound. Yeah. Um, but there, there's a lot of percussive sort of action going on on the stage 
as I recall it. Okay. But but there's not a, a physical harp like like John pulled off tonight. Yeah. So you know, I'm curious how Jeff Downs pulled off all of those uh, organ parts and things like that in, the, in that metal section. Jeff does pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I said, Jeff Jeff I think is he, he's not quite as flamboyant as yeah. Rick in terms of his playing, but I think he is. He's he's capable enough. Yeah, he's a stellar player for sure. Yeah. So. so. So I, I, you know, for me, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to sort of leave this here for now. Yeah. I think this is, this is a very solid intro. I, I, I would add one, one thing. I'm sorry. No, I, go ahead. I know we haven't really focused on any one, one artist, but there was, there were a few times, particularly early in the show tonight, where, it was like I, I was like, did like Trevor Rabin like, usurp the power of of this band? Like it felt very much like it was a Trevor Rabin show for a little while. <laughs> And um, and the guy can wank with the best of them. Like he he puts he does a some kind of wanking at some points that are just like, you know, like hold on. Like there were some yes some parts where you know the first time he comes out of the solo and he's got that really high melody and and uh, and then they repeat it again at the end and he does the same thing where he plays the melody that do 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 do. And he just and then he just goes nuts. Yeah, and like and then he does it the second time and he does it exactly the same way. And it would, just, it would be like just nice to hear the melody the first time and then go nuts the second time. And then you know the, the just the incessant waking on like changes and uh, some other parts where you know he's a he's a terrific player. And I guess people you know really seem to get off on that kind of stuff. Yeah, but, they 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 really seem to do, which you know kind of drives me a little bit crazy yeah but and and maybe that's you know we we talked earlier on in this episode about you know trevor doing a better job quote unquote on yeah. steve house songs maybe maybe the fact that he's sort of curtailing his wanking in those songs where it you know yeah. steve Howe obviously is not a wanker yeah um you know he's got that going for him obviously. That, there you go and so he's he's sort of he's kept trevor has kept his wanking into his his own songs and then he's clearly can't seem to help himself yeah you know and that's the funny thing because you know as a general rule I abhor rank wanking yeah just I can't stand it and yet I still love Trevor Raven more than anything yeah (laughs) well you know everybody's allowed a little bit of wankage and you know there's some entertainment value to that to the the fans I guess but you know it's something it's something I could do without it you know sometimes I just think it it overshadows the the it's, actual. It's unnecessary. Yeah, yeah, and I think comparatively, like I would compare um, the drummer. I can never remember his Malin, Molina. Uh, Molina, thank you. I was just about to call him Molotov. Molotov. Um, <laughs> like he is so tasty, and he is like the perfect, the 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 perfect example of like like he's he's. Even when he's overplaying, he's not overplaying. Like yes. he, he is so tasteful in in what he does, and even in his most like bombastic fills, or um, you know, it's it's always tasty. So, so yeah. But you know, certainly don't want that to overshadow all the greatness that that is there of Trevor. I mean, right. He, Freaking kicked ass tonight, and looking forward to seeing the next two nights. Yeah, it it should be great, and I'm very curious to see you know how different things are. We had talked very, very briefly, um, you and I about the the set dressing. Ah, oh, yes. So, you know, obviously we're seeing them in three different venues, which should have different configurations. I'll be curious to see. So. Um, for those of you who have seen the ARW show, and, and depending maybe on where you've seen it, when Paul and I saw them in Austin, um, and I forget the name of the auditorium where Austin City um, Limits Live is recorded, um, they had really what looked like um, you know, a Hollywood Bowl type yeah. amphitheater dome type thing sort of constructed over and behind the stage a little bit and out of these you know it looked like this sort of white fabric sections if you will and when when we saw them tonight there wasn't room for that sort of a thing on the stage and so what it looked like and and we'll we'll post some pictures 
on um, on Twitter because we're now on Twitter. Nice Twitter, um, Instagram, at Prog, and Facebook at Prague Paula. For those of you who are big on Twitter, um, we'll put them we'll put them up on on Twitter as well as on Facebook. And what it looked like was they took some of the pieces that are used to create this sort of band shell, I guess, and they sort of stacked them up on each other. And so depending on the, the, the shape of the piece, and they would, so that was just sort of flat behind them, and they would project onto that. So I'm curious to see in these other venues if there's, if there is room, right? if, if they, if they construct sort of the set differently. Yeah. Um, so we'll see how that goes. That would be very, very interesting. And obviously, you know, we'll have to see if they change the set list at all. And I'm curious to see if they change their clothes. Because I'm pretty sure that Trevor's jacket was the exact same one he yeah. wore last year. And but different t-shirt. Different t-shirt. Well, sure, you got to have different t-shirts. Rick Wakeman was sporting the same cape. He, he, well, how many of those do you really need That's to true. I mean, that's quite a cape. It's And it's, I think the same blue polo shirt that he... Were in in Austin, so well, and what, it could have been a coincidence. What what is was the, it a Friday night when we saw them? And maybe that was his Friday shirt. It, I don't know. I don't think it was. But what is the appropriate garment to wear under a cape? I, I don't know. Um, you know, I think the I think most likely you would see something with like ruffles or something fluffy. You would you would think it's sort of like when you see you know guys who wear just a t-shirt and a sports coat. Yeah. You know, it always looks a little weird. Yeah. But but Rick seems to make the t-shirt and the cape thing work <laughs> somehow. Um it's it's quite impressive. Yeah. All right. So um you know, thanks for listening to uh, this special episode of Progressive Palaver. We will have two more episodes, two more special concert series episodes to come as always we are available on itunes and google play and our social media presence is ever growing so we now have as we mentioned we have twitter we are at progpala we have our gmail which is progpala p-r-o-g-p-a-l-a at gmail.com we are on on instagram and facebook both as progressive palaver and paul what's our latest and greatest we have a YouTube channel, don't we? We even have a YouTube channel. So That's if you right. want to see my face really big, like scaring you and small children, um, we can. We'll have that available as well, and and we'll put up. We've got a couple clips from tonight's show that we can put up on the YouTube channel as well. And so we look forward to uh, talking um, with all you guys, um, you know, over the next couple of days. And for those of you who have seen. Yes, featuring ARW, and have some some comments that you'd like to share. Please do so through the uh, the means that we've already discussed. That'll be great. We we look forward to uh, to hearing your comments and sort of keeping the dialogue going. And so until tomorrow night, we're out of here.